0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the early Friday morning edition of the show. It's been a long day here in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm gonna break all that down for you for sure. Don't know how long we go to be honest with you. I'm really tired, but we're gonna we're gonna soldier on through here because that's what we do here. Doesn't matter what time of day, doesn't matter the circumstances. The post office might uh, might bail on you, but not me. I'm here to deliver. So many of you have asked, you know, hey Steve, how are we going to do the shows in Omaha? We're doing them. I, just, I take the show on the road, and we're and happy to do it. So, you knew it had to be Texas, right? I mean, it's almost just it's almost poetic, right? We knew it had to be Texas. We're going to talk a little bit about that matchup coming up, but I want to give you guys a little, some of you young guys, some some history here. In 1985, Mississippi State was the best team in the country. There's really no disputing that. Mississippi State went to Omaha. We're playing Texas for an opportunity to really just kind of hammer things down. We beat Texas. We advanced to the College World Series final. We don't have any problem there. And Gene Morgan is absolutely cruising. I mean, absolutely just making Texas look silly. The date was June 7th, 1985. I remember it like it was yesterday. Pretty easy deal. Pretty easy deal. We're just kind of cruising along there and uh, making things happen. And uh, let me get here. I think it was actually 5-2. to two. We'd already beat Oklahoma State. We'd already beat Arkansas. So we had won the first two games of the College World Series. Very similar to what we're doing now, right? We're 2-0 and in the bracket. Needing to get a win to get to the championship game. Same thing here. You though it's a championship series. The format's changed, but the bottom line is... We've won our first two games. We're going to play Texas again. We're absolutely cruising that day. And Gene, see, Gene Morgan wasn't a big power pitcher. That's the thing. Gene was a guy that was a breaking ball guy, change of pace guy. And he and Jeff Brantley started just about every game. I mean, we just didn't throw a third starter very often. We didn't know as much about arm care back then. And those guys just had rubber arms. I mean, they just absolutely went out there and pitched a ton of innings. I don't know that Gene threw hard enough to hurt himself. But he got hurt in this ball game. It's just crazy. So it is Mississippi State ahead 5-2 in the fifth inning. And they couldn't do anything with him. And there's a line drive that hits Gene in his plant leg. And just like that, it was over. He tried to go. We had to pull him. They came back to beat us 12-7. We played Miami the next day. And, of course, they knocked us out. And that's the thing is, if we had beaten Texas, then we would have been resting that day, just kind of waiting around for the traffic to clear. And then, of course, the winner of Texas-Miami would have had a loss, and we would have only had to win one time. It's as simple as that. And so you had a line drive back up the middle that basically cost us an NFL championship. Now, listen, there's no way to really speculate with any certainty and say, you know what, we definitely would have won. But, you know, I mean, how many times have you seen a ball game when a guy's just out there absolutely dealing? And that's what was happening with Morgan. I mean, they just simply couldn't do anything with him. And now he's gone, and we tried to piece it together, and we couldn't. I asked Rafael Palmero about that when I interviewed him for Alpha Dogs, and we, he said he has no doubt in his mind that we would have won an AFL championship. But it didn't happen. And so maybe it's time to get a little redemption. You know, we played those guys earlier this year, and some people kind of remembered that moment, kind of teased about it. But now the stage is the same. And so as I begin to think about Mississippi State, not just beating the opponents ahead of us, but maybe exercising some old demons. That's kind of where we are. Because here is where we are as a fan base. And I get your messages, and I don't have time to return them all. I apologize for that, but I'm out here in Omaha covering a College World Series, so forgive me. But there's so many of our state fans, despite the fact that we played pretty well, we hadn't played our best baseball yet. We played pretty well. We've done what we've had to do to win a couple ball games, but it's like oh, that's like we're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's like oh my gosh, Steve, and it's like it, and it wouldn't have mattered who won the ball game tonight because if Texas had won, we'd be like oh I don't want to play Texas. If Virginia would have won, oh I don't want to play Virginia. They were so tough. They had us beat. and We got lucky. We didn't get lucky. Okay, we didn't get lucky. We didn't get lucky against Texas. We didn't get lucky against Virginia. We didn't get lucky any this year. We have earned everything that we have. Everything. So I know there are some people out there, it's like we, we want to be accepted by our old Miss friends, of which I have none. And so it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I know. We were, we were lucky to be there. No, we're not lucky to be here. We've earned the right to be here. We've earned two wins here. We're in the winner's bracket. We've earned the right to have to be beat twice. It's a double elimination tournament. So there's no luck involved here. But there's still some people out there. They're like, oh, man, you know, my heart's been broken so many times. I mean, you know, Steve, you saw what happened, you know, against Notre Dame with the ladies. We should have won that. And this freaky stuff happens. It only happens to us, and none of that's true. We just kind of adopt that. It's because we expect negative things to happen. I I get tired of negative energy. I really do. I don't I don't like negative people around me. I used to call those people psychic vampires because they suck all the life out of you. And sometimes I gotta deal with that. But here's the deal. We're better than Texas. You say, Well, Steve, I don't know. Well, I got I got I got two wins this year that kind of support my side of the argument. All you have really is your fear. Of us being disappointed again. Uh, I don't expect to get disappointed again. Now, are we going to win the game tomorrow? I don't know. Or later today? I don't know. But I believe we're going to find a way to do it. And here's just as easy as I can say it. Guys, we don't need to win them all. We just need to win three of the next five. And we're national champions. Let's let that sink in for a second. Can we win three out of five? You You better believe we can. I'd like to go ahead and win on Friday. What I would love to see happen is Vanderbilt win and Mississippi State win and then us sit at the house and rest on Saturday and Sunday. And then on Saturday, NC State beat Vanderbilt. But here's the deal. Even if Vanderbilt wins, here is what I have learned about their pitching plans. Kumar Rocker is going to go in that game tomorrow, the 1 1 p.m. game on Friday. I keep saying tomorrow because I haven't been to bed yet. So Kumar is going to go then, which likely eliminates him from the finals unless he goes in game three. And, of course, that's on short rest, which would be basically what his third start in 11 days. That's asking an awful lot, even from a superstar like Kumar Rocker. And, of course, many of us feel like, you know, Vandy's had our number. You know, we should have won that series up in Nashville, but we blew it. I'm told if Vandy forces a game two against NC State, they're going to throw Riley and then save Leiter for Monday, and then they'll figure it out from there, because it's an all hands on deck type thing. You just, I mean, you can't win the finals if you don't get there. So you throw everything at the weekend, trying to get there, and you just kind of figure it out and piece it together. You know, it, you know, God forbid, you know Vanderbilt have a little difficulty, right? So that's what I hope to happen. But here's what I believe will happen: whether we win Friday or Saturday. We're going to play for a national championship. That's what I believe in my heart. There's a lot of people around here that aren't emotionally invested in the outcome. They've told me the same. That's how they see it, too. So, said, you know what? Hey, I'd love to see Mississippi State and NC State play for a national championship. And most people believe we're a little bit more battle-tested than, say, NC State. Now, one of the things you can argue, too, is you know, NC State has probably had the most difficult road of anybody to get to the national championship final. I think that is a fair assessment. They had to go into Fayetteville and beat the number one team in the country and did. Right? And then they've had to play, you know, Vanderbilt. And they've done that. They got to beat them again. But I believe, to be honest with you, I believe the winner of this tournament is going to come from our side of the bracket. It's going to be us. Or it's going to be Texas. And so, are you saying, Steve? Do you expect us to win the National Championship? You know, I don't know if I'm ready to go there, but yeah. When I begin to do the math on this thing, yeah, because I think we're going to beat Texas, and I think whoever we see on the other side is going to be so depleted from pitching and so worn out that we're going to be able to take advantage offensively. Now, I may not feel the same way if we beat get beat uh, today. You know, all of a sudden then we have to throw Will Bednar on Saturday because I believe that's exactly what would happen. I believe we'll throw Houston Harding on Friday, and if we lose, we'll throw Will Bednar on Saturday, which, of course, would make him basically unavailable in the finals. So the best-case scenario for us is to have Houston Harding win the game, and that hadn't been officially announced. This is what I expect to happen. And then we come back in game one with Will Bednar. And with all that swing and miss in the Vanderbilt lineup, I think Will Bednar will beat Vanderbilt. And they'll be head-to-head with Leiter again, who he's already beat in Nashville, and then we figured out from there. And it's one of those things, too. I talked with a good friend today after I went to the movies. i said, be honest with you, I'm getting a little star crazy staying in hotels. I've been here a long time, get a little lonely. I just wanted to get out and have some human interaction. I said, You know, it's like, you know, we begin the season back on uh, Valentine's Day weekend. And we envision and hope to make it to Omaha. And now here we are. And the season is going to end. No later than Wednesday. All right, So we're down to the last week of the season. We're still playing. And we're undefeated in the tournament. But it feels like we're a million miles away. It does. I know you guys see it. I know you feel it too because you want it so bad. Because I do too. But we just got to take it a day at a time. And so if you begin to look down the stretch here, you know, who's been our hottest pitcher at Mississippi State? Not named Landon Sims, obviously. Now Let's take a quick look at this. Because, I mean, you know, we we get all hung up and everything else. Well, you know, Steve, you know, Bednar hadn't been great down the stretch. He actually has been. You know, he he didn't have a great start against Notre Dame. But, yeah, he's done really well. But Houston Harding has really emerged late, and that's what usually has to happen. You usually have to have somebody step up late to plug a gap for you. And it appears Houston Harding has done that. Many of you have wanted him to be the starter. Started the year with Sarantola, then Fristo, and then Harding. It's taken us a while to figure it out. But here's what I know for sure. I think Will Bednar is probably our most competitive starting pitcher. But I think a number two guy right now will be Houston Harding because the guy's going to go out there and compete. It's been his lifelong dream to be at Mississippi State. He watched Mississippi State play as a young person. He saw us play for a national championship back in 2013. He knows what it's about. and He understands what's at stake, and he understands what it means to you. But let's look here, I mean, just down the stretch here. So the last three appearances for Houston Harding, Alabama, five and two-thirds of an inning, two hits, zero runs, two walks, not a single strikeout. Let his defense play, and we go over there and get a win. And that was, you know, we felt like we had to go to Alabama and get a sweep to ensure that we get a top eight national seed. So it's clearly a, a high-pressure situation. It's not like he just showed up out there and threw a couple of innings and went and sat down. I mean, this is you know this is a ball game we had to win, and you may recall we were actually losing in that ball game. We bring him in, he settles the ball game down, gives an offense chance to catch up, we win the game. He comes out, and pitches against Campbell. Five innings, three hits, two runs, two walks, a season high, ten strikeouts, and you know what? We won the game. We won the ball game. Notre Dame, he goes out there and gives you four innings. And you remember that? You know, that was the day, too, it was sweating like crazy. Four hits, two runs, two walks, four Ks. We went in 11-7. He didn't factor in the decision. But many of us were so worried because we were so invested in getting to Omaha. We had won one game. We had lost one game. We're thinking, what are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? And we had debated it all on Twitter, and we all offered our opinions. We started Houston Harding. And before you know it, we go out there in that second inning, and we, you know, we put up a seven spot on him, and the game was essentially over. So I got a lot of faith in Houston Harding because I don't think the moment matters to him. And what I mean by that is I don't think that being in Omaha is going to speed his heartbeat up. I think he's got a good heart for baseball as some people say. I think he understands the stakes here. You may not have read it, but I wish you had. And if you haven't, go look for it. I did an interview with Houston Harding earlier this week. or Maybe he was in the last week. I've been here so long, I don't know what day it is. But Houston Harding was a guy that uh, was homeschooled. This guy lived, you know, kind of rural Mississippi. He was homeschooled and then uh, made the decision, you know, to go play at Evangelical with some of his friends and Travel Team Baseball. It's a powerhouse. He was the most valuable player in the state championship game that year. They won the state championship. He had a dream of playing beyond the high school level, and he didn't have a single offer. Not one. Not Memphis, not Middle Tennessee, not Tennessee Tech. Nobody. Not Mississippi Valley. Not Delta State. Nobody. Nobody. And he goes to a high school baseball game to see some friends play at DeSoto Central because of the fact that the regular season in Tennessee started a week or two later, so he was able to go see his buddies play. And while he's there, and one of the dads goes and talks to Rick Collier at Edwamba and says, hey, listen, there's a kid you need to look at. So they go and introduce him, and he said, hey, come down, throw a bullpen for us. And so he goes and throws a bullpen. They offer him, and he, he committed, he ended up signing he had one college opportunity at high school, one. So Houston Harding is playing with house money. This is a guy that wasn't even supposed to be playing college baseball. He's about to go out there and throw a game to put Mississippi State in a position to win a national championship. It's a remarkable story. He was also the guy on the hill that, in, in, in the wind that got us to Omaha in the first place. So, yeah, he understands pressure. He understands what it means. This is a guy that had a college baseball dream, and and for for much of the last part of his career, he was unsure if it was going to happen. So, yeah, when we get ready to try out there and Houston Harding takes his warm-up tosses, I trust the guy. I think he's going to do a good job. Now, I'm sure Texas is sitting up late tonight or early this morning trying to figure this thing out. You know, Lamonis had announced his starter. Texas had announced their starter. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be Ty Madden. And David Pierce said in postgame, man, it's probably high percentage just going that way, but I hadn't made that decision. Listen, their season's on the line. They're going to throw their best guy. And he threw on Sunday. So he's got five days rest. And that's not a lot. I mean, you know, this is a guy that's throwing on short rest for really the first time in his career. But our guy's got plenty of rest. Our guy's had plenty of opportunity to rest up. You know, he threw – uh that monday game i guess against uh notre dame and uh we warmed him up in the pen the other night I th- there was a possibility that he comes in to match up against a left-hander or two to help us get through the ball game it turns out we didn't need that so he's had some work but he hadn't been on the mound in a while i don't worry about rust i don't worry about the mama being too big i don't worry about the competition i'm not worried i'm worried sometimes that we may have to beat back the ghost of mississippi state past that's why I'm glad I got guys like Tanner Allen and Rowdy Jordan. You know, they didn't grow up Mississippi State fans. I don't know if you knew that. They grew up Auburn fans. And T.A. will tell you he's an Alabama football fan, but not an Alabama baseball fan. But those guys didn't grow up. They don't, they don't necessarily know the, the, quote, natural order of things when it comes to Mississippi State. That, oh, we've been to Omaha so many times we never won it. And I'll be honest with you, too, that a lot of times our goal was just to get here. And once we got here, it all felt like a bonus. Well, our program has matured to the point where you're just getting Omaha is no longer the goal. The goal is to win the national championship. And so the leadership of your team, they don't have this poor old Mississippi State mentality like some of our fans do. And listen, I grew up with this stuff, too, so I've dealt with that same heartbreak you guys have. And I want it so bad, too. I want it so bad I can't hardly stand it. There's sometimes I'll be I'll be riding down the road. Sometimes where I just think about the fact that you know my son may be here, and I just get all emotional thinking about how great it would be to share that with him, to be with my son when we win the NFL championship. And I'm sure many of you feel the same way about your own families. That's why you've made the trip here. It's like listen, I want to be there to see it when Mississippi State wins their first national championship. I want to be there with my kid. I want to be there to share that with my my loved one. Because it matters to us. Because we give so much of ourselves. And it's not just the finances. We can all go make some more money, right? I mean, you know, people joke about that and say, oh, you know, they're spending money they don't have. Like we're you know, a bunch of poor folks. But you know, but that's the case for a lot of people, though. It's like, you know what? I don't know where it's going to come from, but I'm going to figure it out. Because I want to be there when Mississippi State wins an NFL championship. We've lived our whole lives waiting for this. We've never had a national championship in a major sport. Yes, we've had some in some minor sports. I know some people try to say we haven't. They're wrong. But the bottom line is, is that we have all paid such an emotional and spiritual and mental expense in all of this. And we're ready for the, for the big reward. It's not that we don't enjoy baseball. We do. We love it. We absolutely do. We love these kids. We love this team. We love those colors. We love them over us. But you know, one of the things I'm like you guys too, and I'm sure you feel the same way. I'm so sick and tired of people saying, "You know what? Yeah, they're a great ball program. They really are. They got a great stadium. They got a great fan base. They got amazing support down there. They've made a major commitment to baseball down there. It's to be envied." But you know what? They hadn't won at all. I'm I'm tired of it, and it's and that's a byproduct of it too. I I want to win it just because I want people to stop talking negatively about Mississippi State. And it shouldn't matter to us, right? But it does, because it makes us feel like, you know what, we're just not quite good enough. But we are good enough. We are good enough to win this thing. I've talked to everybody in college baseball media over the last couple days. Before we played Texas, the first time, people didn't think we could win. There were a handful that said, yeah, I think State's got a shot. Then we win that one, and then some people picked Virginia to beat us. You know, talking to everybody now. People begin to think, you know what, maybe this is the year. And maybe that's not a good thing. Maybe we need to be doubted. I don't know. Not that I think Rowdy Jordan cares about what everybody else picks. I don't think they do. But I know that this Mississippi State program, this Mississippi State fan base, has matured to the point that this is our time. And that's how we feel. And I don't think there's any point in investing any negative energy into this thing saying, you know what, well, you know, we just haven't won it before. It's true, but none of that means anything today. It did not change anything. If anything, it ought to motivate us even more to be the crew. And those are the things that I think about, too. Is like, you know, is this our best team? No, but it may give us our best result. And you can overanalyze all this stuff and say, what are we going to do about Tuesday? We're gonna do none of that matters right now. What matters today is winning this ballgame on Friday. Maybe Houston Harding can go out there and get us five, six innings. Maybe Brandon Smith can come in after him, give us a couple innings, and Landon Sims can close it out. Then we can take a couple days off and get ready to go play for an National championship. How'd that be? It'd be wonderful. I don't think the moment is too big for us. There have been times in the past where I have felt, you know what, the moment was too big for us. I just don't think that's the case, because I think we have such solid leadership on this team these guys really get along, and they believe in each other. So we have the pieces to go do it. Do we have an explosive offense? No, but here, you know what? We're on par with everybody else in this tournament. We may not have the best offense, but we don't have the worst one. We may not be the best, but there really nobody better than us. We played clean baseball. We're pitching it pretty well. Yeah, Christian didn't have a great start. you know. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, his body language scares me a little bit. I don't know that I would trust him sending back out there in the finals. I know he would want the baseball. And, you know, he may be a guy, too, that you know, maybe the moment has been a little bit too big for him. This is his first time doing this. People forget he's still a freshman. Yeah, he's draft eligible, but he's never gone through the SEC before. He's never pitched in the postseason before. And so there is a toughness that you earn. I mean, like that, that same toughness when Tanner Allen hit the home run the other night. He didn't even celebrate around the bases, guys, because he expected to do it. Because in his mind, he was good enough. In his mind, the S was good enough. And you know what? He talked about the little prayer. He, told, he prayed to God before he stepped in the box. He said, you know what, God? If, if, even if this doesn't work out the right way, I'm grateful for the opportunity. It's good to see people like that rewarded. I mean, it really is. But Tanner Allen's got two previous trips to Omaha under his belt. So he understands the intensity that it takes. You know, for guys like Christian McLeod, they don't. And that's not to be critical of them. You you don't know what you don't know until it's time to know it. You can say, well, Steve, well, Bednar's in the same boat. Listen, I'm going to be fair. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I think, well, Bednar's just a tougher kid. I think he's a special personality. You know, we go out there and we played really good infield, we played good in the outfield. You know, it's the first experience for everybody, but I think it's one of those things that happens is, you know, when you win, when you get here, you start thinking, man, can we do it? And then you win that first game, and then you start thinking, yeah, we can do it. We're going to do it. And then, you know, you got to pull them out of the clouds a little bit and say, hey, guys, we got to focus, and let's get on baseball. Then you win again. You start thinking, man, maybe we're a team of destiny. Come on, we talked about Virginia. When you believe you're a team of destiny, you start playing that way. You play with confidence. You can play loose. can say, you know what's going to happen? Hey, we just got to hang in here and keep playing, like Tanner Allen always says. Just got to hang in here and keep playing. Things will work out for us. You know, we got to avoid getting in a hole. And, you know, we, we haven't had our best offensive game yet. We pitched it, you know, really well with one exception. And, again, I'm not belaboring the point here to make Christian McLeod look bad. Nobody feels worse about that than he does. And I'm confident that he wants the ball back to have some redemption. And maybe he gets it. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But, again, that's getting the cart before the horse. Right now, we've got to go win a game and get there. I'd love to have to make that decision. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, who do I throw in game two of the National Championship Series? Right? Don't, isn't that the decision you want to make? Can't we just have that discussion on the message boards and Facebook and everywhere else, you know? But in order to get there, we've got to win a game. We've got to win One game. Against a team we've already beat twice, and then we got to go beat two games, and possibly be a team that's never won it before either, and so it'd be evil, even footing in that respect. I go back and think about the Vanderbilt game, and it's like I begin to ask myself when is their luck going to run out because they've been lucky this week. They have been lucky, unlike Mississippi State, you know and there's no luck involved when you go hit you know two home runs in the eighth inning to come from behind to beat somebody. There's no luck there. That's skill and execution. Vanderbilt won that game against Stanford due to a lack of execution by Stanford. And Brandon Beck is a a stud for Stanford, and that's a difficult thing to live with. And for those of you that didn't watch the game or didn't know, Brandon Beck comes in, is just mowing Vanderbilt down, gets the first two outs of the ninth inning, goes one-two on Boz, and he ends up walking him. And I really thought he had him struck out. But it was a borderline pitch. He didn't get the call. Well, next thing you know, they bring in a pinch hitter. Gets ahead of him, too. But they're shaded at the middle because he's a left-hander. And what does he do? He flares one to the right side. Shortstop gets a handle on it. Probably should have ate it. Throws to first. Goes wide to first. Vaz goes to third. there's runners on first and third with top of order coming up there. Enrique Bradfield, who was an absolute stud, and he's not going to ever be a home run hitter. But this is the guy that stays within himself, and sure enough, he challenges him, and, and Bradfield lines a base hit in the right field. Runner goes to third again. Run scores, ties the game at 5-5. Five, five. Now it's first and third. You're thinking, okay, let's just get out of here and get to extra innings. Maybe we can figure it out. Brandon Beck's first pitch was not close. And the second one, a breaking ball that never stayed down, went all the way back to the screen. And Stephen Jones runs home, or I think it's now, Jones' is his name, but uh, Spencer Jones runs home from third, and uh, they win the game. Yeah, you know, at least people say sometimes, you know, Steve, it's just a game. No, it's not. It's not just a game. It's not just a game. What do you think Brandon Beck's going to feel like the rest of his life, knowing that his final pitch eliminated his team from the College World Series? And it's not like he gave up a home run. It's not like he gave up a, you know, base hit. Guys, he threw a wild pitch all the way to the screen in Omaha that didn't allow the the winning run to score. I was told tonight Ben McDonald called him last night to kind of console him and encourage him because Brandon Beck's gonna pitch for a while. You know, Ben McDonald had a, didn't always have the best aboutings in Omaha either. But I was told that Ben McDonald, because he is such a good person, called him and just encouraged him and said, "Hey, just hey, just hang in here, hold the rope." This thing is over, but you're not done. But man, that's a tough thing to live with. Every Stanford fan is going to remember that. That's going to be in, in many people's minds. That's going to be his legacy as a card, as one of the Cardinal. That's a difficult thing to live with. On the flip side of that, you got, you know, Spencer Jones and Enrique Bradfield and Javier Vaz thinking, "You know what? We were down to our last strike. And we mounted a comeback and found a way. And they did. They've won in 12. And then they've won on a wild pitch in the ninth. Yeah, I'm sure in the back of their minds, they're thinking, you know what, hey, here we go again. Here we go again. If it's to win it again, hadn't been hadn't been the best of years for us. Didn't win the SEC. Didn't win the SEC tournament. Didn't even win the SEC East. But here we got a chance to go win an NFL championship. So, yeah, there's going to be some juice in the locker room for sure. Yeah, But at the same time, too, you've heard me talk about these cute stories. Cute stories come to an end. We're not a cute story. We're not. We're not cute. Matter of fact, we might be a little bit ugly. We're not a cute story. We don't always win pretty. Well, sometimes we got to walk you off in a night. Sometimes we have to get shut down for seven innings, and then you know, just when you're relaxed and think you're rolling on in, then we jump up and slap you in the face. You know, Virginia was a cute story. That story's over. You know, the whole old Miss Tim Alcove thing, it was a cute story, it's over. Notre Dame was a really cute story, but it's over. We've had a hand in writing the final chapter in a lot of these cute stories. I think it's time for us to, to end this little cute story with Texas, too. And in many ways, I think maybe it's time things come full circle. We talked about Gene Morgan at the beginning of the show. And maybe this is a way for us to exercise the Mississippi State demons of our past, but also, too, let's just kind of close that circle with Gene Morgan. Let's go win it for Gene Morgan and the 85 guys. But more importantly, let's go win it for ourselves. Let's go win it for Mississippi State. Let's go win it for M over S. Let's go win it for everybody that ever got here. Let's go win it for every little kid that sat out in the front yard and threw the ball back and forth with his dad and said, you know what, Dad, someday I'm going to go play Mississippi State, but never got the chance. Let's do it for them. Let's do it for every kid that had the chance and maybe squandered that opportunity. And let's do it for all the kids that came to Mississippi State and played and just couldn't quite get there. There's a lot of weight and a lot of responsibility, a lot of expectations of putting that maroon and white jersey on. It really is. And I think in many ways, I think if you win this one, I think the pressure behind all that, I think a lot of that dissipates. Because it's not just Texas we've got to beat. It's not just Vanderbilt or NC State. We've got to beat our own past. Let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love that place, man. I'll be honest with you. I've been going around here trying to find something to eat, and I just, you know, I miss my local places. I really do. I miss Bulldog Burger Company. I should have went by and got some spring rolls before I left. Probably should have wrapped them up, brought them with me. I could heat them up here tonight when I'm hungry. But Bulldog Burger Company is great. And the more that I travel, the more I appreciate that. What a lot of great people, great food, great prices, great atmosphere, great portions. I harp on that on the show because I don't know that I go anywhere else. That for the value that I spend and money I invest that i get the same return on investment. It's great. I mean, I I don't know that I've ever finished a Bulldog Burger tray. I don't think I have. I know I haven't finished a salad. I've tried. I mean, you get a substantial portion. So if you're looking to get full today, go to Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you right there on Lake Harbor Drive in Ridgeland. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo and the flagships. Dark Vegas, right here on University Drive. You'll be glad you did. Go by and let them know that I sent you. Say, hey, listen, Steve's up in Omaha. And we want to let you guys know that he loves you and he misses you. Because I do. And as soon as I get back, I'm going. <laughs> as soon as I get back to Starkville, I'm going to Bulldog Burger Company, whether it be for lunch or dinner or whatever. I can't wait to get back. But I don't want to come home without that trophy. And I just imagine how much fun it would be for us to have that celebratory meal there at Bulldog Burger Company. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. So we talked about State has already beat Texas twice. They've also beat Ty Madden twice going into the weekend in Arlington, all we had heard was that Ty Madden was the best right-hander not named Kumar Rocker. That's what we'd heard. And listen, he's been really good. But he hadn't had the year I think many people anticipated. So let's take a quick look, shall we, at uh, what Ty Madden has done against Mississippi State. So first game of the year, you know, we jump on him and get a couple runs there in a second. We come back and get two in the fourth, and we chase him from the game. So, and again, boy, you know, Steve's first game of the year. That's true. You know, you don't want to extend him. But also, too, we did a good job knocking him around a little bit. We had 12 hits in that ballgame. Eight runs, 12 hits. Remember it was an 8-1 game? We forget that sometimes. You know, we had the 2-1 game the other day. It was an 8-1 ballgame. I mean, you know, and so Texas scored two runs against us in two games. Right? So, clearly, Scott Foxhall has a good handle on how to attack Texas, it's just about going out and being able to execute that plan. So, again, let's look at some numbers here. Uh, so, in the first game, Ty Madden goes four innings, four hits, four runs, three of them earned, three walks, five strikeouts. Faced 20 hitters, 79 pitches. I mean, just didn't get it done. And you know what? Christian McLeod only went four innings, too, but he only allowed one run. But we got to Tom Madden. We did. And it gave us a lot of confidence. And you know what? We saw Pete Hansen. We hit him too. They brought in Kentonella, we hit him too. They brought in Noah, we hit him too. Southard comes in and gets walks a guy and gets one guy out and they bring in Winslow and he gets us out, but you know just about everybody they tried it out there, we hit them. I mean, you know, we they bring in what six pitchers and we hit, you know, four of the six and one guy only goes a third of an inning? And I keep hearing about, well, they got all these arms. Yeah. yeah, we do too. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't trade our arms for yours. You've also had to play an extra game, and you got to beat us twice. And I'll be honest with you, Texas, I don't think you can do it. I don't think you got the arms to hold us down for two games. Now Tom Madden may go out there and throw the game of his life tomorrow. He may bulldog fans rodeo season is here that's right the dixie national rodeo get ready to roll man and uh, i remember being a kid that was like the biggest highlight for us my grandmother would get us tickets every year and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits we put our boots on have our chaps our vest and we would go up there and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull we were willing to do it yeah for sure guys Boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Don't know. But I know this. I know Mississippi State shouldn't be scared of him because we've already seen him twice. We've seen him twice. We beat him twice. And I'm sitting here. My finger's gotten wet, so I'm having to kind of work around my, my tabs here. A little bit handicapped. Apologize for that. but So let's get to our ball game the other night. So Ty Madden does a pretty good job against us. Well, Bednar does a better job. Ty goes seven innings, four hits, two runs, 10 Ks, two walks. Now he said himself that he threw the changeup a lot more against us than he has all year. Threw it more against us than he did because we're you know, a predominantly left-handed lineup. So we're going to load it up again with left-handers because that's who we are and what we do. You better be careful. You groove one to one of our big left-handers. We got some meat on that side of the plate. So he does a good job against us, but again, he takes loss through 105 pitches. And again, guys, that was on Sunday. I've read some things. People say, "Oh, they pitch on Tuesday." No, that was that was our first game. It feels like we've been here forever. I feel like it was almost last month, but it was, it was Sunday. Yeah, but we got to him. You know, and say, well, you know, Steve, we can't count on that little blue triple again. No, you're right. We can't. We got to do something different. We got to do something else. But I know that Todd Madden is uh, is a big game pitcher. But people forget, man. I mean, look at his record. Are you are you familiar with what his record is? He's seven and five, guys. He's seven and five. Two of those losses are to Mississippi State. So this is a guy that you know has pitched well, but he's also lost some games. And again, you know we have this you know kind of this this fear, this insecurity that comes up. So, well, it's going to be difficult to beat him a third time. One of the dumbest adages in all of sports is what's well, difficult to beat a team a third time. That that is so stupid. You know what? What what if we're just better? The math doesn't have anything to do with it. It's about ability. It's about matchups. Are we good or not? Are we elite or not? Are we better than Texas or not? We got two wins to say we are. So why should I think, well, you know, that we're gonna lose? Doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, we're throwing a guy that's fresh. They're throwing a guy that just threw five days ago. A guy that we've already beat twice. So what is it I'm supposed to be insecure about? I need somebody to tell me. Oh, because in eighty five we had something bad happen to us? Because in 2018, we were in the same position, and we couldn't finish the deal. And you know what? Let me tell you about this. In case you didn't know, Oregon State was the best team in the country that year, and it wasn't close. They got upset by North Carolina in game one of the bracket. We win our game, right? And then we have to play North Carolina, and we trounce them. You we beat Washington 1-0. We beat North Carolina 12-2, and we thought, you know what? Maybe we'll do it. But listen... Let's not have a revisionist history here. We were all sitting around holding our breath, hoping North Carolina could do it again. Because we all knew that Oregon State had the pitching to come out of the loser's bracket. And we didn't have elite pitching that year. We had some guys that did the best they could. We didn't have elite pitching. And then Oregon State absolutely crushed us in that Friday game. They They absolutely smoked us. Came out in the next game. We were like, okay, we're good. we got a chance. Let's finish the deal. And we nearly did. And Oregon State went on to win an national championship. There's not an Oregon State in this back. Texas is not Oregon State. It's not even close. It's not close. So it's not like we're going to just open the closet and some booger bear is going to jump out that we aren't, we aren't expecting. This is a team we've already played twice. It's a team we just played out a couple days ago. And I don't know if you remember this. Maybe you've forgotten there's a lot of swing and miss in a Texas lineup. We struck them out 21 times, a College World Series record 21 times. Now, we're not going to be able to count on that this time, right? I mean, listen, there's going to be some swing and miss because they're free swingers, and Houston Harding's got that great change up, people swing over the top of it, and he does a good job spotting up his fastball. But, you know, you can't count on Will Bednar to come out there and get you 15. I just think you just need Houston to keep him in the ballpark. Keep them honest. Get under barrels. Get soft contact. Houston Harding's capable of winning this ballgame for us. But again, I'm not sure. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be insecure about. When we've already played twice and we beat them twice, and both times that we played them, we absolutely ripped them apart from a pitching standpoint. I'm going to go back and pull that game up too because I want to go over that one again. Let me, let me, let me go run through the one from Tuesday and I'm going to go back and look at the one from uh beginning of the year. So, guys, the other day, when we they had four hits. Four hits. Four. Count them, four. We had five. Yielded us another run too. Mike Antico, stud, absolutely is. He's the guy that makes them go. And you know something else, too? He's a left-hander. they got two left-handers in the lineup and a switch hitter. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, in the the win over Virginia, they had two guys have multi-hit games. Eric Kennedy, a left-handed left fielder, and Mike Antico, a left-handed center fielder. They didn't have a lot of hits against Virginia either. Not a lot of offense with this team. And there's a lot of pride in that uniform. Don't make no mistake about it. But we struck them out 21 times. Matter of fact, we got Cam Williams, Douglas Hodo, Trey Valentini, and Silas Arduin three times. Three times. Ivan Melendez, Zach Zubi, both had big hits for Virginia to kind of put this thing away. That didn't do much against us. But, but they were clutch tonight. There's no doubt about it. They were. You know, I understand that it's still Texas. That they're very prospecty looking, right? I mean, they are. You know, they look good in the uniform. That they're fast. They defend well. They pitch it well. It's just not going to be any. You know, I mean, surely you you didn't think that we're going to play, you know, Texas Southern, right? You knew it was going to be tough. There aren't going to be enough upsets along the way to give you a laugh for in the College World Series final. Either we're elite or we're not. The fact that there's only four teams playing college baseball kind of proves to me that we are elite. I'm sure you guys feel the same way. We are absolutely elite. We're an elite program. But again, going back to that first game, too, because it wasn't just as simple as, well, we just got a hot pitcher. Will Bednar did a great job, and there's nothing about it. But you know, when we played them the first time, I don't know if you guys remember this. Guys, we struck them out 18 times then. 18. So in two matchups, we have struck them out 39 times guys there's only 27 outs in a ball game and 39 of those 54 have been strikeouts you don't think Scott Foxhall's got a good plan clearly he does so I'm going to trust Scott and I'm going to trust Lamonis and I'm going to trust Houston Harding and I'm going to trust the fact that the Bulldogs have a good sense of themselves and they believe enough to go win the national championship and here's what we're going to do, too. You know, once we, uh, you know, once we get to we win the weekend, you know, we'll have a boneyard and we'll preview an National Championship Series. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm not ready to go home. I miss my dogs. I miss my family. I miss my great places to go eat. I miss my bed. And I hope there's some people back in Starkville missing me. But I know this. I know those people don't want me to come home without a championship. They know what it means to me because it means the same thing to them. They're just not as invested as I am because this is my job and also my passion. And so all of you guys that are headed this way, bring some positive vibes with you. We're getting ready to go win a ballgame. It may take us two chances to win it. We're going to win a ballgame. And we're going to get ready to go play for an national championship. I believe that in my heart. I don't have a doubt in my mind about it. I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you and say I'm not a little bit nervous about it. I am I'm, I'm nervous because it matters to me. It's not it's something so matter of fact about. But I firmly expect us to go win, beat Texas, and get and go play for the national championship next week. I really do. And listen, there's all there's a little bit of that little small insecure Mississippi State guy in my head sometimes, right? Cause, because again, we've never done it. He's like, oh, how can we do it? And we did. We had Clark and Palmero, and, and we couldn't do it then. And we had the '89 team, we were the number one team in the country, and we blew it. What were we gonna do? Maybe that's our legacy. It's not. None of that has any fact or any bearing on what's going on now. Zero. So let's all bind together here. And again, as I said, let's just focus on us. Let's forget about everybody else. Just focus on us. Let's enjoy this together. All right, today's top 10 list brought to you by the fine folks at johnnypacker.com. I mean, it's summertime. And guys, I'm going to be honest with you. As much time as I spend in front of a computer, I want to protect my eyes as much as I can when I'm on the road. Said, looking directly in the sun. I'm a sunglass guy all the way. I wear them all the time. I'm not gonna lie to you. I do. Unless I'm driving at night. That's the only time I take them off. I'm trying to protect my eyes. I'm getting old, man. I am, and so I want to make sure that I take some precautions because I want to be able to see. I'm able to take my granddaughters to Disney World someday, right? So protect your eyes by going to JohnnyPacker.com. And ordering some of those great sunglasses, great frames, all named after Mississippi cities. You get the Hollywood style with the golden triangle flare. And also, too, by being a loyal Boneyard listener, the promo code is Boneyard. I get you ten percent off. And listen, Brandon just added those blue light glasses, and that's another thing too. If you're going to be behind a computer screen, you might need to take some extra precautions. You need information about that. You reach out to them on the contact us link. And also, too, you know, if you see some frames you want that don't show available. There's some already on the way, but go ahead and hit the contact us link and let them know which ones you want. They'll special order for you. we I mean, it just a matter of a couple of days. You're not gonna have to wait for them. These are great glasses. Got a pair at the house. They fit your face well. They don't pinch your nose. It's one of the things I hate about you know buying like one size fits all glasses. Sometimes they don't they don't ride good on your face. But that's not the case with these. Very well designed glasses. Great construction, and a portion of your purchase goes directly to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. John Packer himself has struggled with that ailment his whole life. He's doing what he can to try to help other people have a higher quality of life. So again, that's johnnypacker.com. Promo code Boneyard to save 10% off your order. And again, if you got questions, those guys are very, 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 very responsive. Go ahead and hit that contact us thing. They'll get it taken care of for you. Okay, top 10 lists. And so... I I wanted to do some rock stuff and I don't have all my lists with me and Roy uh, has done a good job kind of compiling things but I had somebody said Steve you know hey what's what's going on let's do some cover stuff and I get a lot of requests for cover songs because of my policy I guess about no cover songs and occasionally one slips in so I thought you know what let's do some recent rock covers and I may have touched on a couple of these I can't recall because I've done so many of these lists But let's do recent rock covers. And I guarantee you, most of you have never heard these versions. I will guarantee it. I love these songs. I love these covers, or I wouldn't spit them out to you. But here we go, brought to you by JohnnyPacker.com. Today's top ten list, top ten recent rock covers. And some of these go back a decade or so, but they still play on the radio. So number ten. A cover of the Billy Idol classic "Rebel Yell," a much different arrangement. It is an absolutely beautiful song. It is covered by the band Otherwise. I've met Adrian, a singer from Otherwise. I've told him how much I love the arrangement. "Rebel Yell" is a love song. Now you hear it, you know, at up tempo and kind of at a high volume with a guitar solo, and it's it, you feel like it's a song of rebellion. It's not. It's an av- it's a love song, and the way that Otherwise performs it is acoustic and kind of tuned down. And then you can really hear a different version of the song, not just because of the fact that it's a little tuned down, but also, too, I think it brings out the beauty in the lyrics. So Rebel Yell by Otherwise. Number nine, this is a fairly recent one, and it was a huge hit. When I first got on Twitter, I used to interact with David Draymond from Disturbed. He was a guy that was very prolific on Twitter. He would respond to his fans, and and this was like, you know, Dave didn't have a ton of Twitter followers back then, but he you know, he, he finally got off of it because uh, he just said he got so sick and tired of dealing with the anti-Semitic stuff because uh, he is a devout Jew. That's the, one of the reasons he doesn't have a tattoo, believe it or not. That's what he told me. He said he wants to be buried in a Jewish cemetery someday, so he he believes in the holiness code that's uh, in Leviticus. Not that we're going to get too biblical with you guys, but um, just, didn't, just didn't want to get a tattoo for that very reason because he's very devout in his belief. So so there's an aside that you didn't expect to get today. But Disturbed recently covered the song The Sound of Silence, and it was a huge hit. Of course, it's a Simon and Garfunkel classic, and Disturbed has covered a few songs over the years and had some success with them. It did Land of Confusion. you know, By Genesis, it was a huge hit too, but The Sound of Silence, David Draymond's vocal on that is great. Number eight, and a couple of bands covered this song around the same time. I, pre- I prefer this version of the song it is the phil collins classic i don't care anymore and the band is entitled hell yeah hell yeah is the band that's the uh vinnie paul band vinnie put that together uh with chad from uh, Mudvayne. i wasn't a, a huge hell yeah fan in the beginning but i wanted to support you know the Abbott brothers but um i dig it man and now chad's kind of back with Mudvayne. they're kind of taking a hiatus from hell yeah while they figure out what to do now that vinnie has passed on but uh, that is a great cover and i love the percussion on it this is such a great version of the song i don't care anymore by hell yeah number seven one of my favorite songs from the rolling stones covered by one of my favorite personalities in all music and the song is Gimme Shelter, and it's covered by Stone Sour. This is your number seven song. Give Me Shelter by Stone Sour. And uh Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm does the uh, backing vocals on this. And we've got more from Lizzie coming up just a second here. But I love this version. I love the original. There's some songs you just don't mess with. And so when I hear people are covering like um I know it's only rock and roll, but I like it, and Gimme Shelter, and, I, and sometimes I get a I get a little, you know, uh. Eh, because yeah, Covering the Stones is an iffy proposition because most of those songs are iconic. Like when the Sundays covered Wild Horses, it worked. It really did. But most of these don't work. But Gimme Shelter by Stone Sour absolutely does. Number six, speaking of Lizzie Hale, they've done a couple of cover albums. So I could pick several of those songs, but the one that I picked is from Guns N' Roses. And it wasn't even a single, but it was one of the hottest songs on the Appetite for Destruction album. It's a song called Out to Get Me. I absolutely love Slash's opening riff on this. They do a great job pulling it off. And Lizzie, of course. Guys, Lizzie Hale is the best female rock vocalist of this generation. Met her, too. She's wonderful. I've seen her perform, I think, five times now. I never leave disappointed because she is so naturally talented, and she's also so incredibly down-to-earth. Again, I've met her and had some private conversations with her backstage. She is very, very appreciative of her fans and uh, is a big dreamer. She's one of these kind of people, too, that just... You know, she just kind of lives your life in in your face. Like, if you've got a problem with how she lives, then she's like, you know what, it's my life. Do what you want to do. But uh, this is one of those that I thought was really true to the original. And it's Out to Get Me by Hailstorm. Number five, and I absolutely love this cover, and it's been covered probably 50 times since the song was first written. The song is Man of Constant Sorrow. And if you uh, remember the movie, Oh Brother, Where Where Art Thou? That was their big single, right? Man of Constant Sorrow. A great modern day southern rock band called the Charm City Devils covered this song. And this is actually not my favorite Charm City Devils song. My favorite Charm City Devils song is a a banger of a track called The Devil is a Woman, uh, which is true. Uh, But... Man of Constant Sorrow, they absolutely ripped this thing apart. And so if you're a fan of the song or the movie, you'll like this version. Again, that's Man of Constant Sorrow by the Charmed City Devils. Number four, this is another one of those songs off one of those albums that is very, very special to me. I'm a huge Alice in Chains fan, and when I was first getting clean and sober, the album Dirt came out, and there's just so much recovery jargon in that album and you can tell Jerry Cantrell and Lane both were really struggling with things at the time and of course ultimately cost Lane Staley his life but uh, the song Jerry Cantrell wrote about his own struggles a song called Down in a Hole and it's off of the Dirt album which is the best Alice in Chains album I love Facelift too but you know those first two albums are absolutely killer legendary albums the band that covered this is a band that uh, if you have been around me much you probably heard me listen to this band a lot It's a band called In Flames. So Down in a Hole by In Flames is your number four song. Again, it's true to the original, but they do do some things in the arrangement and with the vocal that uh, kind of modernize it a little bit. I absolutely dig it. Uh, Number three, we're going to go back to some Southern rock stuff, and this is going back. Guys, there are a lot of songs out there. You say, you know what? It's not as good as the original. This is better than the original. And a lot of it's because... uh, My distant cousin Chris is singing on this thing. But it's Can't You See by Blackstone Cherry, originally recorded by the Marshall Tucker Band. Can't you see what that woman's doing to me? We talked about this on the show before. I love Blackstone Cherry. I have every album. I have seen them in person four or five times now. And every time I come away thinking, you know what, I I want more. I went and saw them with uh, the Cadillac 3 I didn't even stay to watch Cadillac Three. I was ready to get home. I went to see Blackstone Cherry, and that's no disrespect to the Cadillac Three. I had a busy day the next day, and so, but I went out there and checked out Blackstone Cherry and had a chance to talk to Chris and Ben. Absolutely loved the time. But this is that this album. Can't you see is on uh, Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea? There is not a bad song on that album. I would encourage you if you if you're looking for some good traveling tunes while you're coming to Omaha, put on that Blackstone Cherry album. Between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea and just let it roll. And you can start with White Trash Millionaire and just let it go all the way through, but the the Can't You See cover is phenomenal. I cannot, I can't oversell it. It is great. Number two, and this is one, man, I tell you what, I love the original, but I'm hard pressed on this one to tell you that I think the cover is better than the original. I know some of you are gonna say, oh, Steve, you're you're crazy. I'm not. (laughs) It's one of those things too, I, I love it because it is true to the original, but they rock it out a little bit more. And it's Joe Walsh's classic Rocky Mountain Way by Godsmack. They do an incredible job on this song. And I love Joe Walsh, I absolutely do. But I love this rockin' version of Rocky Mountain Way. I I, I thought that Silly did a great job on the vocal. I never get tired of it. I mean it's I mean honestly, I mean it's it's on one of my regular playlists and Sometimes I will just let it, I'll put it on repeat and let it play four or five times because the vibe of the song is just so great. But the number one recent rock cover we actually go back probably more than a decade here, probably almost fifteen years now. But it's Shinedown's version of the Leonard Skinnerd standard, Simple Man. And if you're unaware of this, the Leonard Skinnerd Foundation does not authorize many bands to cover the songs. And so the original guitarist for Shinedown was a guy named Jason Todd. Jason Todd was married to Melody Van Zant, who is Ronnie Van Zandt's daughter. And so because of the connection, the family connection, on Shinedown's first album, they allowed them to cover Simple Man. And I think at times, Brant kind of oversang it a little bit late. But I think their version is incredible. And uh, I think it's true to the original, too, but also, too, uh, rocking enough that you know that this new generation can embrace it, too. Kind of is a little bit of a different song. And it's a great video, too. If you had not seen it, go check it out on YouTube That's the Simple Man video by Shinedown. So that's your covers list, and I cannot remember who asked me. I've had so many of you guys messaging me, asking me to get you tickets or hotel rooms, which I cannot do. I mean, it's absolutely, I don't have any hookups on any of that stuff. I'm doing the best I can out here just trying to make a living, man. But uh, I know people are desperately trying to find tickets, and people have questions. And so I've gotten a lot of messages from people saying, what side we are going to be on? That reminds me, we are going to be the home team. We are the home team Friday night. So if you still haven't got your tickets, you need to get them on the third base side. So we are the home team, and we'll see how things progress there. Maybe we can walk that ball game off. I'd like it to be decided well before then. But uh, if you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out, let me know on social media. Uh, And, listen, if you you ask for one I've already done, I'll try to send you the list. But you can save me and you both a little time by finding – dogmatic 67 that's d-a-w-g-m-a-t-i-c-6-7 on spotify and twitter that's roy simante's twitter and spotify account and he's the one that puts all this together for us so thanks roy as always and uh roy actually messaged me during the ball game and i didn't message him back when who we were doing today so i had to kind of type these things up and send them to him so again recent rock covers and um We'll do some country again next week. Alan Jackson's done exceptionally well, which uh, shouldn't be a surprise. We've got a lot of country folks listening to the show. So we're going to try to do a country one once a week. We'll see how things progress. But uh, there's only so much of that I can take because we get a little bit deeper into it. And then, you know, you got guys wearing bedazzled jeans and high heel boots going, Girl, I, I can't deal with a lot of that stuff. So, so anyway, we're going to move on from that. But um, I want to get into a couple more things before we get out of here because I think it's important... Uh, we kind of break down, you know, kind of where we are and what, and what we're about. But I want to make sure that everybody kind of understands. When you m- make your way to Omaha, if you're sending vibes up here, please send some positivity, because we're we're working to win an AFL championship. We don't want to be the same old Mississippi State. We don't want to be the punchline. We don't want to be oh, look all that money they spent; they don't have anything to show for it. We don't. That's not what we want anymore. We want what's rightfully ours, and it's an AFL championship. All right, this segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of the show, man. Stan, the man is here. How about that? Stan is here. I hope to see you tomorrow. And he reached out to let me know to tell you guys they are fully stocked and restocked with College World Series merch there at Campus Bookmart. A lot of you couldn't make the trip but you still want to get the shirt. Please support our historical businesses and reach out to campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal yard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. It's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that gets you free shipping on all all orders over fifty bucks. Any order less than fifty bucks, absolutely incomplete. Again, completely stocked up. Was it that they they ran short originally because you guys were so excited, right? You want to wear your shirts up here, so even if you don't want to pay the, the prices up here, because because I'll be honest with you, they're charging up here. Okay, understand, they're charging over fair market value up here because of the fact that everybody's here and they're excited and caught up in the moment. You're thinking, oh, let me just buy it because it's a matter of convenience. Well, rather than pay those exorbitant prices, get the same shirt to Campus Bookmark. Okay, and you know what? If you don't want to worry with online shopping, go by and see that lovely, talented Susie and tell her that I sent you and go up and just give her a big hug and say, hey, this nuts that's from Steve. And uh, Miss Kathy Brown will take care of you. They're good people. I love going in there. You will too. Campus bookmark. All right, so here's some things that I want to, some travel tips I want to give you. Okay, there are a lot of people that are still reaching out. We've talked about it for the better part of a week now. What's the best way to get to, to here, you know, coming from Mississippi? So what I'm told repeatedly is there's not a lot of trouble on the Mississippi River Bridge coming this way. The trouble is going back. You know, the trouble is like, you know, going back so I didn't want to mess with the bridge and so I came through and came through Greenville and then went through Conway and saw my grandbaby and went up to Branson because I've never seen Branson before so I wanted to check all that out I honestly would think the best thing to do is if you can find a way to get off in Greenville and then get up to Jonesboro that's probably going to be the better way to go but I know many people said you know what they're going to go up to Joplin and come through Fayetteville and all that stuff all that's fine too but I would not tackle the bridge now, I want to tell you some things here about Omaha, too, if you're unfamiliar. I know a lot of people are making their first trip, or maybe people haven't been in a while. The traffic around the stadium is not designed to move. It is, it is amazing to me how bad the traffic is. You say, oh, well, Steve, it's a once-a-year event. And the guys, listen, I left that place tonight at 1.30 in the morning, and the lights, the smart lights outside, there was no cross traffic, and we just sat there and sat there and sat there and sat there. So, kind of understand before you get up here and before you get stressed and anxious and that kind of stuff, give yourself some extra time. Now, there is some places where you can pay to park. So, if you don't have a parking pass, right when you come in towards CD Ameritrade, as you begin, when you come off of 80, and there's I think it's Highway 75, you just follow your GPS. And as it brings you downtown, it brings you to TD Ameritrade. You go by Epley Air Base or Airfield. And and, uh, so when you make that turn, I think it's um, Cumming Street. When you make that turn on Cumming Street, there's going to be a couple of kids out there. I say kids are college-age kids. There's going to be one on the right and one on the left. And they're going to have some signs up, green signs with a baseball on them that say parking. And if I understand correctly, I think it's like 20 bucks, and it's really close. Now, there are some other lots you can pay to park in, but they're not as always as close. But you're going to get in line, and you're going to see people that already have a parking pass. You don't need to panic, because even if you don't have a parking pass, you can pay to park at most of those lots. Not all of them, but most of them. But you need to be prepared for that, because... The line is, is exceptionally long at times, getting in as lots. And I go early, so I can only imagine what it's like an hour before the game. So, again, listen to me. I'm being your friend here. Give yourself plenty of time. Plenty of time. But it's going to be packed because we, we had a huge crowd of Mississippi State people here the other day. Huge. We had a huge crowd tonight with Texas and Virginia in an elimination game. And it's packed. So you can imagine how packed it's going to be with Mississippi State's playing for an opportunity to play for a NFL championship, right? Let me give you a little more advice. These concession stand lines get really long. Now, here's a little traveling tip, a little veteran concession stand hack for you. The concession stands closest to home plate, the lines are exceptionally long. The closer they are to home plate, the longer the line is. So keep walking. There is also a second place, I think it's called Burger Burger. It's like the second concession stand down. The lives the lines there are about half as long as the the main line. Out in left field, you got the big hits place, you got the pizza place. Yeah, you know, I, I don't get out there that often, but those lines aren't as long as the ones under the concourse at the first two concession stands. So again, keep walking. If you don't mind sitting in line, that's fine. But but I would encourage you to, as soon as you get settled, somebody needs to go get in line. I mean, it's just it's just kind of how it is. Because a lot of people don't eat before they get here. I would eat before I got here. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you the truth. I, I would stop somewhere on the wall. I'll, I'll just get a hot dog at the game and you miss two innings. And speaking of missing two innings, I had some of my friends miss the first two innings of the ball game trying to get in because – the lines for that GA are really, really long. It's because people get there hours ahead of time because they want to go stake their claim. You know how it is. We ought to be familiar with this with the berm traffic, but you need to be aware of this. You're not going to pull up here an hour before the game time and park and go get in line and get your concession stuff and get into your seat before first pitch. It's not going to happen. I'm telling you now, listen to what I'm telling you. Let me, let me, let me preface this. Wives, Listen to me. Tell your husband to leave more than an hour earlier than he ordinarily would. If he would leave an hour before the game, you need to leave about two and a half hours before the game. Leave the hotel at least two and a half hours before the game. I'm being your friend here. We need you in the stands. We need you yelling. We need the maroon white cheer going. And I want you guys to have a good time. I don't want you to get here and say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe how busy it was, and spread the word. Say, listen, guys, I know maybe you don't listen to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson, but he's on site, and he's been there since the beginning. I've been here since Friday. Okay, so tomorrow will be eight days for me. You need to plan ahead of time to be here extra, extra early, especially if you've never been here before because you're not going to know where to go, and you're not going to understand how long that line is to get in the stadium because we're the second game. So they have to clear the stadium after the Vanderbilt game with North Carolina State. And then you'll be allowed in. And then you'll be able to get in line for the concession stand. And then you'll be able to get your seat. But I'm telling you, if you just think you're going to pull up here and say, oh, it'll be okay. No, it's not. It's not going to be okay. I'm. It's Wives, listen to me. Girlfriends, listen to me. I'm speaking your language here. You tell them. You gotta leave extra extra early. I don't I don't care if he has a map to the world, and a uh, you know a, a do it yourself guide to everything. I'm telling you right now, if you guys wait and get here about an hour before the game time, you're gonna miss the game. You're gonna miss part of the game, and then everybody's gonna be mad. You said we spent all this money and drove all this way, and we missed the game. Or we missed you know two three ends of the ball game. That's happened. It's happened to Mississippi State people on this trip. Listen to me. I'm being your friend here, and I'm, I'm going to belabor the point because I want to make sure everybody understands. The traffic doesn't move, no matter how much you yell, no matter how, how aggravated you get, no matter how many times you slam the steering wheel. That's just what happens. But do yourself and everybody with you a favor by leaving extra early. Now, if you're staying down here uh, near the stadium, I would walk. I w- There's no way I would take on that traffic. Because there's going to be a lot of people down here that don't know what's going on. And you're going to be so much better off just walking, I'm just telling you. So again, wives, girlfriends, listen to me. Make him leave early. Whatever promises you got to make, whatever you got to do, whatever deals you got to make, you and your kids are going to be really happy if you leave early. And they'll say, why are we going so early? You'll be glad you did. Because if not, you're going to have some really disappointed kids they are going to be really hungry, and then by the time that you're getting in there and you've already missed the first or second inning, then you've got to miss the next inning because you're in line at the concession stand. Trust me, this is the voice of experience talking to you. All right, before we get out of here, let me remind you, too, we are going to go back to Starkville at some point, and I hope it's on uh, Wednesday. That's the hope. I hope I make. I hope I hope get out Wednesday morning and I'm driving and we've got a national championship T-shirt to wear and I'll wear that bad boy with a smile. But if you're looking to move to Starkville and be with us, is we expect to win multiple national championships in baseball. And maybe you need to be a season ticket holder to Mississippi State baseball. And you can be local and you can go to all the midweek games and you won't have to stand in long lines at our concession stands because we know what we're doing portico is the way to go if i was moving to starkville now that's where i would look first without question when i moved here everybody's like steve you need to live on south montgomery it's gonna be great and and now that i live out in the country i'm so glad that i don't live on south montgomery all due respect to those of you that do but i wouldn't deal with that traffic that traffic would drive me crazy i I mean it it absolutely would drive me nuts i wouldn't be able to do the show I'd probably have to go get another job, move to another town. I, I wouldn't be able to deal with that. i got friends that live on South Montgomery. I don't know how you deal with it. I don't. And so, well, Steve, was not that bad. You're just used to it. You're just, and I, Listen, I lived in Baton Rouge for 16 years. And I, I can tell you, I, I, that traffic drives me nuts, man. So Portico is so easy to get to. When you come off of 82, like going towards campus, you take the turn on 12. The very first right, that's Pat Station Road. It crosses Old West Point Road there at about a quarter mile. And it becomes Garrett Road, and there it is. There's Portico. That's how close it is. It's 1.1 miles from campus. You can get a two-bedroom, two-bath, four-bedroom, four-bath, any size home to fit your needs, whether it be your primary residence or an investment property or just maybe something you're going to do for Airbnb or maybe it's your getaway when when it's ballgame weekends. Maybe that's the way you go. But you might as well be close to campus, and you got that great new Walmart neighborhood market right out there, too. So, if you just need to go get some groceries to go do tailgating, there it is right there. You don't even have to go to the other end of town. But if you do have to go to the big Walmart, you can jump up there on the bypass, and you're there. It's great. Portico's going to have that great walking trail. And listen, there's only a couple houses left in phase one. Phase two, that's underway, getting ready to go. Everything's great. And listen, Brooks Bryan is, is your friend. Brooks Bryan is part of a great development group that are working to make Starkville a better place, and you know the big part of that too is you know finding quality housing. And that's exactly what you're going to get with Portico. Don't take my word for it. And you know what? Maybe maybe this isn't the time. Maybe you just want to kind of wet your appetite a bit and just kind of find out what it's going to be like. What's my investment here? You know, what are my options? You give Brooks a call. Do it today, 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Make Portico your next move. And I'll be honest with you guys, I don't know what's going on in Starkville. I, I really don't. I've had really tunnel vision since I've been here and uh, really focused on you know the College World Series. And I know Gene went down to the uh, Southeast League Combine thing. There'll be some great players there. So look for that content over on gene's page we got some more camps coming up and um you know the the crew is working hard you know robbie's here david's here and uh you know david and i David's got a lot of world series stories you know david wasn't here in 85 because mr hartley and those guys came and um you know so david's kind of shared some things with me about where to eat and places to go and that kind of stuff too but you know one things that i have learned about being here i've been a couple times now is when you watch Mississippi State take the field in Omaha, it is just simply a different feeling. Maybe the uniform looks a little crisper, I don't know. But it is just a different feeling. And then watching your team win in Omaha, it's just different. And it's not just because it's the stakes, but I think it's one of those things that validates the things that we believe about our own program. We believe we're elite. We believe we're one of the best teams in the country. And all of a sudden, you get up here and you, and you beat some other team. It's the best, one of the better teams in the country. And you say, hey, listen, maybe we are. All year long, we've talked about this stuff, talked about expectations, talked about development and maturation of the program. And I remember how downtrodden we were after the Arkansas game, after the Arkansas series. And we especially that Sunday game, if we gave it away, we absolutely did. And I remember what Tanner Allen said. He goes, you know what, back in 18, we swept those guys. You look up at the end of the year, they're playing for a national championship. And and now we've got a chance to really flip the script there. I mean, think about that for a second. Those guys swept us, now they're at home watching us. Because it's not about being better than everybody. It's just being about the teams that you got to play in your bracket. And that's what we're doing. You know, everybody says, well, you know, Arkansas and Vanderbilt are on the same side of the of the bracket, and they didn't even play. Because Arkansas didn't make it. There's a lot of good teams that didn't make the trip. We've had a lot of good teams that didn't make the trip in our history, but we're here now, and all that matters is right now. Doesn't matter who didn't catch what or who didn't hit what or whatever. You know, I mean, we can we can be blue in the face about that stuff, but yeah, you know, are we better than Texas? We don't even know who would be who's going to win between NC State and Vanderbilt. As I share with you guys, too, a best case scenario for us is for us to beat. Texas in one game, and for Arkansas, I mean, pardon me, for Arkansas, for Vanderbilt to win tomorrow and then NC State win on Saturday. That That's the best case scenario for us. But at the end of the day, I think we're capable of beating anybody. There's four teams left playing college baseball. Your Bulldogs are one of those four. This is the position we had hoped to be. I can't say that we expected to be. I think in many ways we've even exceeded my own expectations. You know, at the beginning of the year, I say we're an Omaha team. And then once we get there, you just never know. It's going to be about matchups. And I have belabored this with you guys many times. There's not a dominant team in college baseball. But we felt like, you know, of all the years, if we could get here this year, when things are so wide open, maybe we can bring a trophy home. And now here we are with the Final Four and the one team that's standing between us and winning This side of the bracket is a team we've already beat twice. And so I'm asking you to think about that with your head rather than your heart. What does your head tell you? Are we better than Texas if we've played them twice? We beat them both times. We beat their best pitcher both times. And we threw two different pitchers against them and beat them. We beat them in their home state. We beat them in Omaha. It's not like we beat them in Starkville. And so kind of take the emotion out of it a little bit. And take, you know, the fear of losing out of it and say, listen, how does this look on paper? And I understand games aren't played on paper. But we've already played two and we want them both. Then you look at the other side of the bracket, and, and, and I, I'll be honest with you, I haven't spent a lot of time focusing on that because I've been so focused on what we've got going on. We're capable of beating both those teams. Yeah, I don't think Vanderbilt has a tremendous home field advantage as far as fans go. But they have that little Cracker Jack ballpark with the turf and it makes everybody feel so weird. It's not even like playing real baseball. And I think it takes a couple of games to kind of get that figured out. But up here on a neutral field where they're not scoring, I don't even know if you guys have paid attention to that. Vanderbilt's not scoring runs. And I've told you guys all year long that their offense is suspect. Let me pull up this Vanderbilt schedule here because I want to make sure we go over this real quick before we get out of here. But Vanderbilt doesn't scare me. I don't like going and playing them in Nashville. But on a neutral field, well, we're going to outnumber them because there ain't... Guys, there ain't no Vanderbilt fans here. I mean, there there are not many Vanderbilt fans here at all. That may change if they make the finals. But we have not been inundated with Vanderbilt fans. You know, the the Whistler's been here, as you guys know. And and he bothers you guys a whole lot more than he bothers me. <laughs> I think it's stupid what he does. I think he's a guy that lacks lacks self awareness. He thinks that um, people love that and nobody does. Maybe a handful of Vanderbilt people, but um, you know, I mean let's just go I, mean, let, I mean let's just go back to the Supers. They won a two nothing ball game, a four one ball game. They they beat Arizona in twelve seven six. They lose one nothing. And then they beat Stanford six five. And of course, two of those runs were gifted to them. These guys are not scoring a lot of runs. It's a bigger ballpark, so you're not hitting as many home runs. You don't have that stupid turf, right? It's a different element playing on you know grass, which is weird. The grass would be unusual to you when that's the, the that's the the surface of choice. <laughs> I'm not worried about Vanderbilt. I may worry about him next week. I'm not worried about him right now. Yeah, you know, I think NC State's a great a great program, but you know the fact that they have done what they've done is remarkable. I mean, it's absolutely outstanding what they've done in an NCAA tournament. And you know what? If we're not going to win it, I hope they do. They'd be a first-time champion. I don't want Vanderbilt to win it. I don't want Texas to win it. I think college baseball continues to need new blood. And then there was a stretch there where I think it was six, seven years in a row we got a first-time champion in college baseball. And the last time we've had one in football was when Florida won it, right? I mean, it's like there's just so much about football, it's difficult. Once you're you know, once you kind of one of the have-nots, it's difficult to become a, a want-to-be or I could-be someday. But baseball is a different deal. We're at a different level in baseball. We can compete. We can do a great job here at Mississippi State. And so – I want to go win an Apple championship, but I also want to do what's – to advance the game. And I think, you know, if, if we can't win it, I want NC State to win it. I don't want it to be Vanderbilt. I don't want it to be Texas. But I, I want to make sure that one of the state schools win it, one of the land-grant schools wins it. But I want it to be the Mississippi State team. Because, listen, we, we've been long – we've suffered long enough. It's time for us to quit being the punchline of our own joke. Listen, guys, I'm going to get out of here. It's been a long day, and it's going to be a long day today. We've got two games. I'm going to get some rest. I'm going to get up and eat some lunch, and then I'm going to go watch the game, and I guess I'm going to pull from Vanderbilt, which is tough for me to do. I mean, I, I just think, you know, have them burning some other arms. I, I just I want that bracket to go the full distance, and I want ours to, ours to end the day early so we get two extra days rest. I want what's best for Mississippi State. And so you guys hanging in here. Those of you guys that are on the way, be careful. Those of you that are watching from home, let me encourage you to. If we make it to next week, be sure to watch that game with somebody you love. Whether it be over FaceTime or whether it be wherever, if you can get together and have a, a, a dinner party, whatever, or go to a bar or whatever, just get home safely. But if we make it next week, be sure to share that experience and make that memory with somebody that you love, somebody that's going to be in your life for a long time. You go back one and say, you know what? We shared this together. This is what it's about. I'm going to get out of here. I'm really tired. And uh, I'm happy to get the show done, to be honest with you. Because when they had that rain delay, I started doing the math to my head, thinking, you know, I'm going to be 4 o'clock in the morning getting the show finished. And I know many of you, the early morning crowd, will be happy to have it. But um, listen, I'm a soldier, man. I do what I can to get this, these things taken care of for you guys. But uh, I'm going to get out of here, and again, we'll record again on Sunday, you know, one way or another. So I look forward to uh, hopefully previewing in an apple championship series next time we're together but until then let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live